0: Good morning, Kevin. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you again.
1: Hey, I had an idea for a topic today just because it's been on my mind a lot lately, you know, when, when I'm teaching, um, I, I always run into this, sometimes a contradiction between different people's approach and uh, wanting to learn how to talk to them more about it. But I'll have one, you know, group of clients who their primary method of learning music at all, And this might have been exaggerated by the YouTube generation where they just copy something, like how their hands move without really understanding what they're playing. And, you know, if they get lost, they have to go all the way back to the beginning because they don't know where they are. And, uh, you know, they can only do it this one way. And, of course, they can only remember three or four songs that way. Eventually they start forgetting the other ones. Versus I have other students who do not want to copy anything. They don't want to play anything that anyone has ever played before. And, you know, I, I feel like those two, both approaches are failed. They don't work, you know. I mean, they have short term, but not that good. I'm, I'm always wondering how to um, explain that to them better. Um, you have any much experience with this kind of thing?
0: Well, uh, you know, I learned how to play by playing, um, Pretty much so. I mean, I had lessons, piano lessons as a kid. Sure. Like so many people do. But then I learned uh, once I got out and started singing and I picked up a guitar and blah, 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 blah. But I learned how to play just by learning songs. And so I would, w- what I was influenced by was a song. I would hear a song that I really like, say a Paul Simon mm-hmm. tune and uh, the Boxer, for example. Okay. Great, Great tune. And, uh, boy, I bought a 12-string guitar just to, just to try to learn how to play the boxer and make it fill, it, fill up that sound. And, uh, and so I learned, learned by, uh, by the song itself as opposed to how Paul Simon played it. Gotcha, okay. I would learn the, you know, the changes and the lyrics and the melody, et cetera. Yeah, so you effort. were
1: learning the meaning of the song, not mm-hmm. just the mechanics. Right. Good thing you didn't have YouTube, <laughs> you know, they even have the keyboards that light up so, yes, you, can, so you can see what notes you are just, being played. Yeah, you don't have to know anything,
0: <laughs> but but I think you know, the, the point is, uh, you know, like, is as uh, I, I never really wanted, uh, I never wrote a lot, so I wasn't like hard and fast about I'm not playing anything that anybody else mm-hmm. that played. But the point is, is that I guess if you stop to think about it, uh if you are a musician if you want to play music if you enjoy playing music not not even as a professional but it's based on what you've heard right yeah I yeah mean, yeah it's like if you never heard a no, a note of music and you said you heard read about music and say I'm, i think i want to play music what would you have you'd have nothing to to start with so it's it's all this stuff that you probably if you if you love music you probably listen to it avidly as a kid and growing up, and that's why you want to play because you fell in love with it. So you've got all this influence in there, anyway.
1: You know, Mike. I, you may or may not know, but I, I was raised with a deaf cousin. I grew up signing. He lived with us all through my uh, all through high school, pretty much. Um. And he was influenced by music. He could hear it, not the pitches. I'm, people are never totally deaf. They, you know they hear things differently like vibrations or stuff Mm -hmm. you know you can clap and they can feel that and and respond but you know he could tell you know tempo and so I mean
0: I think almost everyone grows up with music as an influence right yeah of some kind so there's something in there that you're working from uh you know I think um when you talked about uh, you have talked about in the past about how your students that don't want to be influenced by anything else; they just totally want to be uh, uh, their own creation. And you ask them to write an essay about that. Oh, that's funny,
1: yeah. But, I mean, it's
0: a teaching trick. But you know, there'll be
1: some <laughs> young student in college who, uh, and of course, the goal in all art, music, is to find your own identity with that. I'm not not negating that, but they will just not want to learn the basic parts of music. They want to just have it happen. These are earnest, wonderful kids, right? So I will say to them, okay, I can, you know, they're they're being oppositional in class, which is good. We want, mm-hmm. you know, open com- communication. And I'll say, listen, I can tell how passionate you feel about this. Why? Well, I, well, I want you to do, just, just write me a paragraph, you know, explaining why you feel this way. You know, I don't care about the grammar, but... You know, the one thing is just make sure you don't use a word that anyone else has ever used before. <laughs> and that's a cheap teaching trick. But sometimes, you know, it it'll shines a light on it. Usually <laughs> it means something to the other students in the classroom. Yeah. you know, And we all have a good laugh. And, you know, it makes everything good. But, I mean, there's a point there. Um, you know, there's this great quote. I'm pretty sure it's Stravinsky, but people keep attributing it to, to Mozart or something similar from Picasso but my understanding Stravinsky said a good composer borrows a great composer steals and it's this different I think there's a very pithy way of explaining that you can't just copy you have to copy and understand it you know Mm -hmm. and I find that all the musicians that everyone admires the you know the famous ones right Mm -hmm. they all have this in their music they don't come out most of them I mean don't come out don't come out from nowhere I mean they're not like just this I'm sure that's there but it's pretty uncommon um there's this Beethoven story I like a whole bunch when he was writing one of his early symphonies um he had written about eight measures and suddenly realized that was something Mozart had written. And he angrily scratched it all out and wrote no Mozart at top or something. Supposedly that that from our is in a museum in Austria. I would love to see it. But um, then much later, working on the piece, he realized, oh, wait a second. That wasn't Mozart I was copying. That was something else I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> but which is fine. It's just his, mm-hmm. his concern with being himself, but also writing stuff I mean he learned all of Mozart's I mean really Mozart and Beethoven both you know mo- they modeled after the first great symphonist Haydn and all the stuff that he'd done mm-hmm. you know it's his over a hundred symphonies right. you know and that
0: that same concept is uh, exhibits itself in the world of jazz as well I mean you take the most creative people I mean a, a lot of you know for me uh John Coltrane is is uh, when I first heard Coltrane, I thought, man, I've never heard anybody play anything like that. And
1: uh, he kept going with that boy. Yeah, you know, um, like we made a list of the five most I don't know innovative jazz musicians, which is a ridiculous thing. But most people are I agree on some of them, like Louis Armstrong changed everything. I mean everything. Um, Charlie Parker. Duke Ellington, Ornette Coleman, Miles Davis, you know, these are people that in their own way reinvent music, sometimes many times. And yet every one of them profoundly influenced by a mentor that they copied and so forth. You know, Louis, Louis Armstrong, you know, he he his mentor was Joe King Oliver, the, the great trumpet player who went up to Chicago first from New Orleans, you know, up the rivers. And called for Louis Armstrong to come join him. And very young Louis Armstrong knew Joe's playing so well that they made it part of their act that Joe would improvise a solo and Louis Armstrong in real time would play harmony to it. Like he knew so well what Joe was going to improvise that he could not only imitate that, but also imitate it in harmony. <laughs> and they put a handkerchief over Joe's hand so that, um, you know, they could make sure everyone knew he wasn't copying the fingerings of uh-huh. the valves. Although uh-huh. that's not how it would work. Yeah, The, the Charlie Parker story that's legendary is he's in Kansas city against another place, new Orleans, going up the rivers and Kansas city being this amazing musical Mecca. Um, because of the, the mayor of, of Kansas city, not going along with prohibition. So there were hundreds of nightclubs, so a big party town, in other words, right. And, uh, Charlie Parker's mentor teacher is this alto player named Buster Cooper, who was playing with um, big bands and smaller groups there that eventually become, you know, the Count Basie orchestra comes out of this, but um, they would play on the weekend. And it would be broadcast on the radio and, one weekend uh, Buster couldn't make it and he subbed it out to Charlie Parker like his first sub and Charlie Parker went and did the gig and then the next week Buster was walking around the same people keep coming up to him and said man Buster that's the best I've ever heard you play this weekend on the radio you were (laughs) playing great (laughs) Charlie Charlie imitated him so well (laughs) that they couldn't tell you know and uh, I don't think Buster hired him as a sub again (laughs) and then you mentioned Coltrane you know what an unusual guy he is he 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 started imitating uh dexter gordon lester young he talks about Sidney bechet in the sense that he adopted the soprano saxophone because of that um here's a guy who started out always having his own sound but still rooted with the language playing bebop language and then taking it to all these different places So that, you know, by 1958, 59, you've got his album, Giant Steps, which takes harmony to kind of its end point there. And then he abandons all of it and does something brand new in the 60s that's informed by world music, not just other jazz musicians, but he's listening to music of India and Africa and doing that. Ravi Shankar famously turned him down and told him he wasn't ready. Wow. John wanted to record with him. That's... uh, Wow. It's 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 a it's a good part of the
0: music. So I guess when when we kind of come to this as a uh, lesson learned, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, uh, I guess we could go back to uh, Stravinsky and say steal, don't borrow. But you but you are by by stealing, if you will, <laughs> you're uh, adding to your uh, vocabulary. You're adding to your knowledge of how music is being played. And then you can take that as an influence, and and build on it yourself with your own individuality, and that's probably a key to becoming uh, a better player in, in any in any realm.
1: Yeah, you know, I I'm, I learned some of these lessons the hard way, which is sometimes the best. the 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 very first. When I first got interested in jazz, and everyone was saying you need to transcribe solos and learn them, which is part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I picked out a solo I really liked by this amazing pianist from Brazil named Ileane Elias, spelled like Elaine. It's her first record on Blue Note, and it's on this song called Falling in Love with Love. And something about the solo, I loved it. And I got I had this tape recorder that would play it at half speed, so I very meticulously, it took, you know, six, eight weeks I would figure out one note at a time and write it down on a piece of paper. I still have it, you know. And I did the whole solo note by note. And I didn't understand a thing of it. And I was like, okay, now what?
0: Yeah. I mean, I could play it, but it didn't improve. Did it sound like...
1: Uh, I'm not, of course, I couldn't <laughs> touch it like her. I wasn't even quite perceiving it, but I could play the notes in order, yeah. the right rhythms. Uh-huh. Uh, but I didn't understand, like, watching... None of the notes made sense yeah. against the style, good, but I didn't understand it. And, I, of course, I couldn't use it
0: mm-hmm. anywhere. You know? you know, now maybe this is just me, but I mm-hmm. bought, the, you know, the books, the, yeah. the famous solo books, sure, and go try to play those solos. They don't make any sense to me.
1: Well, here's why I learned. So, you know, um, and, and it wasn't as much from older mentors, but some peers of mine who were just amazing musicians, Marcus Pratt in particular. Here I did. I spent eight weeks on an entire solo, and he would spend a weekend on one measure and then work on that wow. one measure, putting it in all these different places, doing different things with it, and then playing it his own way. And that was such a great model wow, lesson yeah. for me. Here I am. I'm investing hours and hours and hours and hours in trying to learn this stuff. Like my work ethic was good. Yeah. Okay. But it was the wrong work. <laughs> and and learning gradually that, you know, it's way more important to learn a small piece, but understand it exactly. I mean, if I was gonna learn Spanish, I wouldn't just memorize a bunch of verbs and nouns and not know what they mean. Right. You know? So it's 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 and I wouldn't try to learn. You know, two thousand words at once. You get one or two. Learn how to conjugate. You know how to say uh, Buenos dias, uh, Buenos noches, Buenos tardes. Those three phrases. Mm-hmm. Know, knowing what the differences of are. You don't want to be saying Buenos noches at, at uh, two in the seven a.m. because they'll think that they'll think you've been out partying all night. You know.
0: Uh, yeah, and I guess that's a uh, another. Uh, educational precept is work smart, not hard, yeah. not necessarily hard. <laughs>
1: but I, I guess, you know, this idea that you learn music just like a language in which you, you, you learn small things and understand them deeply and then use them your own way. That's really the summary of the most important thing.